For TBWA Shiite Day New York and Nissan, ISKI code NOAY0005000, spot entitled My23 Aria Launch, GM brand fully loaded 30 second radio spot, stereo mono compatible mixed with Tupop. The all new Nissan Aria is a fully loaded EV. It's brimming with style mm. and power. Up to 389 horses of it. Innovation and intelligence. E Force all wheel drive. It'll pin you to your seat. Your very plush seat. The all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria with E-Force expected availability early 2023. E-Force cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. E-Force and 389 horsepower available on Platinum Plus. Nissan calculation using one-foot rollout testing with long-range battery and E-Force only in port mode with E-Step Off. These results are for comparison only and should not be attempted on public roads. Drive responsibly. See NissanUSA.com for details. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, this is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked up by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Let's bring him in on a Thursday. Let's bring in the ball coach. Ladies, it's okay. Come on through. Come on in. We even knew you were coming. We had wine ready. We were all all ready for this. Let's bring in the QB coach. Let's bring in Barry Thompson, football Fairfax Football Academy, BQ. How you doing today, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I mean, it's Thursday, Thursday, and you got women coming by, wine, and I mean, am I interrupting? I I wish I was there. Yeah, the Mercado, man. Yeah, on your next trip in, the Mercado is 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 on the wish list. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes, all the for 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 all those who eat and cook, that is the thing to do. You need to, yeah. <laughs> it must be <laughs> this the, is your must spot. Be the warm weather you guys are having. Uh, yeah, we're at fifty. We're at fifty. We're at fifty-eight. We're 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 enjoying this today. So we're right, good, good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. What's happening in the real football world? Uh the we're, we're finishing up. I've got a quarterback that's going to play in the state championship game uh, Saturday. But everybody, uh, we're starting to hit the uh, improvement season. My college guys are 
starting to trickle in, and we'll get busy the last couple of weeks of December, and then um, we hit it hard in, in January uh, for our indoor training, which goes for three months. Then we're outside. It's combine season, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So we're putting together recruiting plans, and it's busy. Let me ask you this question because, of course, with the transfer portal and quarterbacks moving from program to program, coordinators, quarterback coaches moving from program to program. Uh, here in Nebraska, here in Nebraska, right, this thing, right, it, it, it's it's constantly recruiting season here. Yes. Like even in season, it's recruiting season. Yes. <laughs> yes. But let, let me ask you, so when a talented, super talented quarterback becomes available but there are whispers of his personality being an issue. What say you? What would, if you're the offensive coordinator and you get an opportunity to get one of the great talents who have personality issues, what say you? Is that a thing that you would be interested in or is that a thing you lean <laughs> away from? All right. So at, at my level where I am, I run. Mm-hmm. At that level, the reality is, that if a person's talented, I think John Thompson said the best talent has its privileges. Um, mm-hmm. There will always be a coach out there who thinks that they can get through to that guy. And that's why these people persist, maybe at times when they shouldn't. And then you've got to understand the, the, the financial dynamics that are at play, not just personally, but the whole operation of a team and – um, but I, I can say this, I haven't seen one of them where it worked out. <laughs> you know, um, the most recent cautionary tale that we have uh, that I believe that I'm hip on is Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was heavy on the lead 11 circuit at that time. And there were people that, kind of knew about Johnny's habits uh, in the book Modern QB by Bruce Feldman. Uh, there's a, a segment that's dedicated to, to uh, I think it's George Whitfield goes to meet Johnny to go work out and he shows up 45 minutes late and George Whitfield sends him home. And after about a time or so, Johnny turned back around. But you know, when you, when a guy has those types of things, I, I don't know, and he's that old, I don't know how it turns around. And I'm not saying who you're talking about. You know, I, I think I know who you're talking about. But, but yeah. <laughs> you know, but if it's, it's a deal, I mean, it, it's always the possibility it can be a set of circumstances, right? All right. So you do look at, like, Kyler Murray. People may not remember, but Kyler Murray and I think Kyle Allen were both five-star quarterbacks here, both at Texas A&M at one time. Yep. Well, uh, someone was down there, and it couldn't make a fit. And Kyler, I think, was the first one to say, I'm out. And then he winds up at Oklahoma, and now he's leading the Cardinals. You know, so – but that wasn't a personality thing. That was a guy who just wasn't happy with his playing situation, <clears throat> and, he, and the football didn't make sense to him, and he wanted to go to a place where it made sense. But these personality flaws, uh, they do get their chances, but – I, you know, from where I sit, it's not a guy I really want to mess with. Either you get yourself straight or, or move on down the road. Is it is is some of that tied to the program itself? I mean, because, again, it seems like there's certain programs that are spots and locations where troubled players end up. 
Uh, and the pros, it's it's the Raiders. Like we know, the Raiders, Cowboys. Right. We understand that they do that. And that, but those are grown folks who are doing it for a living, and people are making that financial invest, financial investment on the college right. level. For a guy who comes in with all of the hype, and then gets the flash and gets that Heisman hype behind it, and then there is a step down. I wouldn't call it a collapse. It's a step down. Can you can can some of this be based on the program itself? Yeah, it is. I mean, when you bring up the Raiders, they haven't done that in a very long time. You have to go back to the seventies and and late sixties and seventies where they had a reputation for taking quote discontent from other teams, and then they would, you know, they they would mold them into some winning type of thing. So, however, Al Davis had that structure, Madden and. Uh, Coach Flores, however they were doing that, it was successful. Um, but nobody that I know has done that since that time. So I think the men who did that and the time that that occurred, I think that's kind of flown. And I, and I certainly don't know of a, high, a college program that's been successful because they've taken players who couldn't conform. Let me put you another way. If you're a Heisman candidate and you got all this hype machine behind you and all you have to do to make life good is just to do as many right things as you can and you don't do them, I mean, what does that tell you? Look, it, it, it speaks volumes. I, I, I was yeah. making the point earlier that some of this could be tied directly to Nebraska and you asked the question that if you're a 3-9 and nine team, you can be dismissive only to a point. But if you're if part of your problem is that you don't have that sort of elite talent and you have a chance mm-hmm. to get it, do you accept the personal side of that? The, the to answer get that talent? I was if, if you're asking me if I'm King and Lincoln for a day, yep. no, I pass. Okay. I pass. That, uh, would <clears throat> you would you have accepted the text line asked the question, would you have accepted Randy Moss post West Virginia? Yeah, because Randy, now you're getting into what the public perceives as a person versus who the person really is. That's why I'm bringing it up. Right. Okay. So now, now we're getting into different. Now you could you could bring like Dion into it, right? Right. Like Dion had this persona that he was this and that, but everybody you talked to, this guy was a hard worker. He was a great teammate, and this and that. So if you could handle a guy going off and being something in public, and it doesn't affect the program but you see him on a daily basis and he's all about the football, then, yes, that's a different story. The guy that, that we're talking around is a guy that is just the opposite of that, evidently. Right? He, he's the guy who drew all this heat and had a great platform and everything was there for him to get. All he had to do was just do what he was supposed to do and the world was going to come to him. Hmm. And for some reason, on a personal basis, he either couldn't handle it or just decided, no, I'm going to, I know better. And now, you know, he's out there. But I don't think that makes a bad team better by taking on a guy like that. Normally, when your team's not good, you're, you're trying to, among other things, firmly establish a way of doing things and going about business. And when you take on a strong personality like that, whether it's a good person or a bad person, man, you want to be really careful. Is this going to add to what I'm trying to build or is this going to subtract to from what I'm trying to build? Right. And 
in a lot of cases, you ask yourself, you know, now that's, that's going to take away. So what? It means you get one less win. If your team's not that good to begin with, excuse me, I don't have a cough button. <clears throat> your, your team's not that good anyway, right? So what does it mean another win or two versus you build it the right way and the foundation's firm? There are other players out there. You know, you're looking at one position. Fine, you pass on that. Let's go out and get a, a guy that nobody's – let's go out and get a Warren Sapp, who was a three-star. You know, let's go out and get that two-star that's going to be a pro, but people don't see it. Get him. You'd be better off doing that than kind of potentially affecting your team. It's, it's that time as well where coordinators bounce from program to program. And I think that's a big part of what Nebraska is dealing with. You bring in, you know, Whipple from Pitt, and, and because of his immediate success, he's easily, easily validated. Can his style, what he's done there at Pitt, can it work here in the Big Ten Conference? I always say, and I've mentioned several times, and I've just had the, you know personal experience of it. whoever you bring in, if you think they're the right guy, and you look at Whipple's resume, and it just says nothing but success, different levels, and and the levels are important to me in his resume because you're you know you're not always working with the same quality materials, but he's finding a way you know, in the food terms, to turn out a good dish. You know, you can give him the greatest ham in the world. Okay, he's at the pro level and he does that. And then you can give him something that's maybe not the top grade, but it still tastes great. He's still producing points. So I think that's one thing. The other thing and the most important thing, is he going to be given the authority to do what he does? If you bring him in because of his resume, excuse me again, are you going to give him the authority to do what he does? Now, if you bring them in and then you start sitting on top of them and you start saying, well, we don't do this or we don't do this or we want to do that, he goes, well, you know, this is this is what's really worked for me in the past. And then you start leaning on them, no, we, we want to, you know, then, then you're really messing things up. If you bring them in, that kind of experience, that kind of resume, give him the authority to coach his unit, to coach his guy. That leads to the next question, and then in Nebraska's case, with a head coach who was the de facto offensive coordinator and play caller a year ago, but because of need for change, you 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 bring in a Whipple, and alongside of that is a Mickey Joseph who was also giving the tag, the moniker, uh, associate head coach. He's the and passing uh, re- game coordinator. Passing game coordinator, right? So yeah. when you talk about giving yeah. you permission to do. Yeah what's required in order for this to be successful does that is that too many too many different gordon ramsay <laughs> chefs I, I in the kitchen understand. look look let me just go with what we know publicly because i'm not behind the scenes publicly we have a head coach who's publicly said this is what i need to do but it's going to be hard for me to he's saying that out loud that it's going to be hard for him to do so i'm listening when he says it's going to be hard for him to do then you have a, a passing game coordinator who just came from a very successful run with a passing game and a quarterback, and now you hire an offensive coordinator. I don't know. These titles could be just titles, right, if these men each give each other the authority in the room to do what they do. Or it could be too many chefs in the kitchen. Uh, the titles are kind of – Public statements are kind of giving me a little bit of hesitancy. 
not because of the people, but it, you know, if you're looking at an org chart, man, that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? It, 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 it we've we've asked the question, right? That at, at some point when there's been a, a a a bit of chaos, sometimes delegation and assignment are the most important things you can do next, and that seems to be for me. Some things are there, but okay, I'd be willing to let it work itself out and do that. But you also are in a situation where special teams are of issue and you have not addressed it. What say you? You walk into a, a quarterback room or a coach's room with no special teams coordinator, at least not one. You've got an, you might have an analyst or a consultant, but you don't have a coach. What say you? Right. Well, let's say, let's say they're not done yet. Okay, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But if you were to sit down and triage the season, as I believe most coaches do, you know, what are, what are we good at? What do we need to get better at? You know, maybe this was just the first priority. Maybe there's something coming that we don't know. But, yes, I would think that needs to be addressed. You know, if you sit down and you look at the games and, you know, what are we going to do to win games and get better, I don't know how you ignore the special team's performance. So you can call a guy whatever you want, but man, there ought to be somebody. There's got to be a plan to make it better. I would hope we're talking to Barry Thompson of Fairfax Football Academy. Barry, I, what I would hope is that lessons are learned, right? So we're not going to repeat things that have been done before and that failed. So Oregon is going through this thing where they consider Chip bringing back Chip Kelly. Then they put out that they found some other cats. Maybe we'll go to the cow coach or otherwise. And then there's there's the, the, the Kyle Whittinghams who simply hang out, plant a seed, water the seed, watch the seed grow, feed it, and then have success. And people aren't paying attention to it. Like they're not giving that guy notice. But it was a guy that goes and wins and wins a Pac-12 championship in Salt Lake City should tell you that there's something in the cooking. There's something there. What is it about administrators who like to fall back on the thing that they're familiar with rather than the thing that can help them? I'm not sure, DP. I told you after I saw that there was a couple of Saturdays ago, right, and they're hyping up this Oregon-Utah game, right, during a great day of football, and I'm buying into it, right? I'm still hanging on the vapors of Chip Kelly and, you know, the uniforms and everything else, and, if they're hyping, I think Utah's that that whole atmosphere. And you're a Utah guy, so you know all about this more than most. But I was so impressed, and I remember calling. I said, "Why doesn't somebody take out and money with Coach Whittingham and get him to their program?" And I don't understand why, at least publicly, nobody's made a run at that guy. I don't understand. right for for whatever amount of money it would take. Yes, yeah, just money. I'm like literally. They got oil wells in Oklahoma and Texas, and Nebraska's got, you know, the meat in the ag, you know, the big ag producers there. Whoever's got the money, take it out and say, what is it going to take to get you here? <laughs> so I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, get Coach Frost that I've got. I'm just saying there are other programs of surprise who have resources, and they keep swimming in this very familiar pool, and they don't step out of it. And, matter of fact, right here in Fairfax County, uh, just tonight, there was another – unbelievable to me recycle higher mm-hmm. and i'm like you know really there's there's nobody else to do. you were we're gonna run that guy we're gonna we're gonna you know see that movie for the fourth time because they, they like what they like they like what they like they like what they like so 
so so you and I have been through the basketball circles together, and we've been around teams that were predominantly set up because they were uh, excellent three-point shooters. The offense was, offenses were set accordingly. Um, it was kind of the identity of the programs and identity of the players. And then we would go through those nights where the shots don't go down. I've yeah. very, I can say this, I've never seen a program that has guys who look like they can shoot, who can't shoot, and it's on a constant loud level. Like, I've never seen. You, you've been with me in the gym. You've been with me in the gym. And you went behind my back one time, too. Don't think I don't remember that. But you were been with me in the gym. I looked, I looked a guy right in the eye who I knew was going to be a 1,000-point shooter. And what did I tell him? I told him, you're going to be really good, but you haven't put enough work. I don't want you taking shots from there. I want you taking shots from where you can make them. Right, and then I—I mm-hmm. I know you went around and you got this too, and I wasn't mad at you. Shoot the but ball. my point was, I, I'm big on that. And I told you when we were coaching together, I said I never wanted to come off this floor and say we shot bad for the night. Right, and that meant that I was going to drill into our guys as best I could. I wanted them to take shots from where they where they could make them. And that was a good shot for me. If you can make it from there, that's a good shot. But and what if yeah, the thing I mean, that you've seen, right, the thing that you've seen, right, the things you've seen yeah. every night in practice right. where the right. shots go and in, and then you and get in games the, and they don't go. Right, and just not the adjustment. That's the other part, right, the adjustment. You know, okay, it's not falling night. Can we, can we, can we give a pump fake and, and get inside the circle a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, can we put the ball down, draw a defender, and kick? Just, just the adjustment. But the quick shots, I know we switched Nebraska basketball, yeah. But this, this quick shot thing that's going on and this no sense of time score uh, type of possession, I'm sure that's something that Coach Hoiberg uh, is, you know, at his, at his wit's end to get these guys to kind of play together. I don't think that it's a stubborn group. You've had them in the studio. They seem like good personality guys. But the, the, the missing piece is, is how do they do this together, right? How do they do this together? And they're just going to have to work that premise out. Uh, but, but they should learn right now that them individually coming up and pulling up and going one for eight on threes isn't the answer. Right. All, all there. All right. We're here at the Mercado. What are we eating? Uh, two minutes here. I'm going to do a real humble dish. And it may not sound like much, to stick with me. It's cauliflower pasta and two cheeses. The cauliflower okay. is a short, curly pasta, like a fusilli, cavatappi. I like the uh, campelli. It doesn't matter. You eat eight ounces of that. Please spend the time. Go to a cheese store. Get uh, Pecorino Romano. You're going to grate it yourself. And something called aged provolone. Grate it yourself. Uh, you get home. Get a pot of water, four quarts of water going. Uh, two te- tablespoons of salt. You take the uh, cauliflower head, you have it. Once the water's boiling, you put it in there for exactly five minutes, pull it out, leave that water, don't dump it, bring it back to a boil. When it's cool enough to handle, you're going to cut that uh, cauliflower up into pieces that are like about the same size as the pasta that you're using. Then in a t- 12-ounce skillet, three t- cold skillet, 12, three tablespoons of olive oil, one smashed garlic clove, and you heat it to medium heat. And as it heats up, the garlic will start to turn a slight brown color. When it does that, throw it out. You just flavored your olive oil. 
Then the cauliflower goes in, crank it up to hot, uh, medium high, throw in some salt, some red pepper flakes, and you're going to stir that around until it gets uh, a little brown on the edges. That's about seven minutes. And then that pot, right, that you brought back up to a boil, you're going to take your eight ounces of pasta and put it in there for five minutes. At the end of five minutes, you can do two things. One, get two and a half cups of that water out before you drain it. And then after you drain it, you put the pasta into that skillet. You're going to take one cup of that water and pour it in there, and your pasta will cook right in the skillet. When it's to the doneness that you like, you get your half a cup of that grated Pecorino Romano, and you stir it in there till it melts. You get your half a cup of that aged provolone, you stir it in there till it melts. Then you can add some more cheese on it just because you can. And you hit it with a few pepper flakes and a little drizzle of olive oil. And I'm here to tell you, DP, I had it last night. I'm having seconds tonight. Oh, by the way, I think one of those Spanish red wines would go great with it. Yes. Yes. This would really would. This is really good stuff. Like yeah. I said, he's had two really good weeks when it comes to the wine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would suggest that. talking about. Yep, I would suggest that. All right, brother. Well, look, you know, hopefully the Huskers get it right uh, in football and in basketball. If they don't get it right in basketball, I'll probably call you fly out of here. Put you, have you put them through? <laughs> look, two things: the shooting drill and the line, and and the and the, and the offensive rebounding drill. Like those two yeah, drills. Get them are, to play together. Just get them. I know he's trying so hard. Get them to play together. Learn how to to approach an offensive possession at working together to get the get the bucket they want. It's a favorite two words when it comes to basketball. Keep hunting. Keep hunting. Yep. All good. Appreciate you, BT. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, Barry Thompson, uh, Fairfax Football Academy. We'll get to it, man. Yeah, and from to the text line, yes, we're going to bring Barry to Lincoln. That has to happen. Introduce him to everybody and let him get some work in. We'll throw it a break. The Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, will call in. We'll talk to him next. From Live from the Mercado. Good stuff. They just delivered some beef jerky. Uh, the hickory and the bold and spicy. I'm a happy boy. We'll be right back on Old School. Watch Old School live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.